Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. You know, God's salvation is not a complicated process. In fact, it's not a process at all. It happens in a moment of time, but the basic and vital ingredient is the acknowledgement on the part of the sinner of his lost position before God. There must be the confession of guilt and helplessness to save ourselves. It is not Christ plus what we can do. It must be Christ alone. Our mouths must be stopped before we can proceed any further with God. Our message today begins with evangelist Mr. Peter Ramsey explaining this fact, and then following this, he speaks of another mouth that was silent. But these are the silent lips of the Savior. How wonderful it is that he uttered not a word in his own defense. If he did, how lost we would all be. And then there's the new song of the believer. Yes, the joy of God's salvation has inspired thousands of beautiful hymns and songs. Are you singing today? Wonderful to have that tremendous confidence that heaven is your destination. And anyone who is going to be in heaven, they have a special relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. No one will be in heaven who is just giving it their best shot. People say that. You ask them, well, do you think you'll be in heaven? And they say, well, sir. I'm giving it my best shot. We know what that means. It means that they're putting a lot of effort into it and they may be doing a lot of good works. But no one gets to heaven by giving it their best shot. I was um, walking down 48th Avenue out in Langley, British Columbia. Just an early morning walk. Peaceful. When all of a sudden and unidentified flying object went right by me. This like, like that. And I was quite taken back because it was going at quite a speed. Two more inches, it would have hit me in a pretty critical part. You should always wear your helmet when you're walking. It would have hit me in a critical part of my body. So I was going to find out what that unidentified flying object was. So the bushes were right there and I went scouring through the bushes and This is what I found. I looked across the street, and sure enough, there was the Newland Golf and Country Club. Do you know what I thought? Somebody was over there giving it their best shot. Missed it by a long shot. It just about got me. I keep that. I carry it with me because it almost spelled disaster in my life. Do you know what? There are people that we meet everywhere we go, and they are giving heaven their best shot. And the tragedy is they are going to miss by a long shot. I hope there's no one here tonight, and that's all you're doing. You're giving it your best shot. Maybe you're here tonight, and we're glad you're here, and you're just thinking, you know, 
I probably should be thinking seriously about the Lord Jesus Christ. You probably should be. It's a tragedy that people live so much of their life and they know so much about the story of Jesus. And they're very devout and very sincere, good living, honorable people. The taxation division of the federal government love them. They're honest. They pay all their taxes. They're good people. And yet they're not on the way to heaven. So we're glad you're here tonight. We're going to read in three places in the Bible. Romans chapter 3. And just so you know where I'm going, it all has to do with our mouth or our lips. Romans chapter 3 and verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Every mouth stopped, and all the world guilty before God. Now to the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53. This is a beautiful chapter in your Bible. If you haven't read it before, we encourage you to read Isaiah 53. It was written 750 years before the Lord Jesus was ever crucified, before he died on a cross. Isaiah chapter 53, and there's some beautiful verses there, but we're just going to read verse 7. He was oppressed, speaking of Jesus, long before he was born in Bethlehem. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. In Romans 3, it was a stopped mouth of the sinner. Here, it is the silent lips of the Savior. And we could read a verse in the New Testament, but we're not going to. So we'll go back to Psalm 40. Just keep turning backwards. Psalm 40 and verse 2. The psalmist wrote, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. Verse 3. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. A new song in my mouth. If we were to read over in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writing to the Christians, he says, speaking to yourselves in Hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts. In your hearts. But here the psalmist says, he's put a new song in my mouth. And so the first one was Romans 3. It was the stopped mouth of the sinner. And then the silent lips of the Savior and the singing heart of a saint, a child of God. I wonder, do you have a, a song in your heart? Do you go about your day and just with a song bubbling up in your heart? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Or some of the Christians know that song. 
Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. That's the new song. Give something to sing about. Well, let's start at Romans chapter 3. It's the most difficult part of the word of God. People don't like it. People don't like this chapter. It wouldn't surprise me. There was a president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, and he made his own Bible. He tore out all the parts of the Bible that he didn't like, and it was greatly condensed. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody has torn out Romans chapter 3 because they don't like it. There's something about Romans 3 that we don't want to face because we look in the mirror. I got a new gel at Shoppers Drug Mart the other day, and it's not working quite right, but you know, when you get my age, you want your hair to be as as thick as it can be because you don't want to, you don't want the other, the opposite to happen to you. And you stand in the mirror and you, you're trying to look mighty fine. But you know, Romans chapter three goes much deeper than what we see in the mirror. Romans chapter three, God exposes the human heart. It's just like a cat scan. And here it all is in very picturesque metaphorical language. And people say, ah, they close the book. They say, I don't like it. They say, I'm not that bad. Talks about their throats and the picturesque languages like open graves, corruption and infection. Their tongues, they tell lies and their lips spread poison like snakes. And their mouths are filled with bitter curses and blasphemies. And their feet are swift to shed blood and Their eyes are always looking in the wrong direction. And you can read the whole list. And people say, whose heart is that? And the gospel preacher's ugly task is to tell them, oh, that's how God sees all our hearts. Not just yours, mine too. It's not a pretty picture, Romans chapter 3. And we read one of the most difficult words to say in the English language. And it's not supercalifragilisticexpialidocious for the older folks who personally knew Mary Poppins. You say there is a difficult word there? It says that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Now, if this was all a, a younger audience, it was all youth and teens, I would get the whole audience to practice saying it because it's a very difficult word to say pronounce it's the last word that people will say they'll beat around the bush they'll say well i didn't know any better they'll say well i didn't know it was wrong they'll say a whole bunch of things but it's so difficult to get people to say the word and it's not a five or six syllable word is it it's just like i'll i'll say it for you i'll break it down quite easily guilt T, guilty, like um, phonetically, G-I-L-L, guilty, T-E-E. That's the phonetics. And so it shouldn't be difficult to say. But why is it? We find it so hard to say. Do you know that no one will be in heaven? No one will be in heaven who has failed to say this word to God. Now, let me clarify. 
There might be someone here tonight and you say, well, sir, I, my sins are forgiven and I don't ever remember the afternoon I was on the bus and I trust the Christ. I don't actually remember saying the word guilty. No. But that was really the expression of our heart. Whether we actually said the word or not, that was the attitude of our heart. Yes, Lord, I am a sinner. I am guilty. That was really what our hearts were saying. Even if we didn't think of the word, Or say the word. Have you ever told God? Maybe someone's here tonight and you're saying, what is it that Christians have that I don't have? I would love to have what she has. She has a peace and she has a calm and she has the assurance that she really does have eternal life. Me, I'm just hoping. Why don't I have the same? Maybe. Maybe because she has said to God, I am guilty. Now I have some punctuation marks here. You can't see it at the back. There's guilty comma. Lots of people can say guilty comma. Like they'll say, yeah, well, I would have to say I am a sinner, but and so is everybody else. That's comma. Guilty, but so is everybody else guilty. Or it could be colon or a semicolon. Some people come to a gospel meeting like this and it's a question mark. Guilty? Really? I beg your pardon? Do you know who I am? And you're telling me the Bible says I am guilty? This is the word of God. This is not Peter Ramsey saying that you are guilty. I had to face this fact. My mouth had to be stopped. I was guilty before God. That's how God sees every human being. Guilty. The only people who will be in heaven are those who've been able to say guilty, period. Period. Not guilty, comma, I'm like everybody else, or guilty, semicolon, but, you know, I'm working hard at it. I'm guilty, period. What God says about my heart is true. I agree with God. I am Guilty. And the Bible says that every mouth may be stopped. Now go back through the years of your life and see if you've ever, people have had all kinds of spiritual experiences. I remember speaking to somebody and he had a great spiritual experience. He said, um, he said, I had back problems for years. And he said, my cousin who was a man of the cloth that means he was a clergy and he touched my back and you know i've never had an ache nor a pain since well i wasn't about to argue with him i don't live in his body but let me tell you just because you've had an ache or a pain relief or because you've had a spiritual experience does not mean that you're going to heaven don't ever mistake that for what we're talking about tonight that's not god's salvation according to the bible That's God's goodness answering your prayer. But what we're talking tonight about is having your sins all forgiven. And so go back through all your spiritual experiences in life. And do you have anything in your life when you came to a dead stop with God? Remember visiting a woman and um, she said, oh dear, I'm okay. She says, come over here and look at the wall. And she had her baptismal certificate all framed and everything was so nice. And she was a sweetheart and so sincere. Do you know, not everything was okay because there was something missing in her life. 
She had never had this meeting with God when she agreed with God, I am just a sinner. I am guilty, period. But the Bible says that that is necessary. You must agree with God or you'll never be in heaven. I'll tell you one more story. There was a, a lady coming out to a gospel meeting. She was in her 90s. She was a crusty old lady. And as crusty as she was, one day she said, I would like to take the two of you, the two preachers, out for lunch. Wow, we said, wow, this is really something. She is really warming up to us. So we went out for lunch with her, and she was as nice as pie. But, you know, the message wasn't getting through to her. We preached because we knew she was in her 90s. And I, I was really bothered about her. Be an awful thing for somebody to hear the gospel in their 90s and to die in their sins and to wake up in hell. So, rightly or wrongly, I, I haven't used this tactic since, and I didn't use it before. This is the only time I did it. But I gave her a little letter one night. It was just what was on my mind. I just had two words on it. Can you see it at the back? My sins, exclamation mark. Only two words on the entire page. Didn't say, dear so-and-so. Just my sins. I put it in the envelope and I gave it to her going out the door as she was shaking her hands and she was so appreciative in the envelope. She got out in the car and said to the people that were driving her to the meeting, she said, oh, that sweet Peter, he, he wrote a letter to me. And she was all, they say, tickle pink. Well, she got home. She called us the next morning. She said, you rascal. She said, I was up all night. I was up all night. The only thing I could think of, my sins, my sins, my sins. She says, come to my house. I need to talk to you. Well, we went to her house. The meetings ended. And I got a letter after the meetings ended. She was 95. She said, I have read the literature that you gave me many times. I have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. As my personal savior. I should have made that decision long before now. Not sure why I didn't. I hope I will be a good Christian. Please, Peter, excuse my writing. My hands are very sore this morning. I guess they're not going to improve. Sincerely. Well, that was 95. She passed away at 99. I cherished that letter. You know what she faced that night? If you could only face it this evening. My sins. And just tell God, I'm guilty. The moment a sinner gets to that point, when you realize you're guilty, you realize you have, I have nothing to offer God. All along, I thought I was offering him charitable donations and my good works. But I'm guilty. I have nothing. I'm bankrupt before God. I have nothing to offer him. I just have to call out to him. Because I am guilty if he saves me. It will be pure grace alone. And I have never met anyone who's gotten to this point who didn't get to. Why in the world did Jesus Christ ever die for a sinner like me? We were reading about that in Isaiah chapter 53. We were reading, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Oh, when they spit in his face, Jesus could have opened his mouth. When they tied that rag around his face and played a nasty game with him, they blindfolded him. Yes, they did. And they said, if you are who you say you are, if you are the Christ, 
We're going to hit you on the head with his rod. And you tell us with your eyes blindfolded who it is that hit you. Oh, he could have opened his mouth. He could have opened his mouth and sent the entire works of them into a lost eternity. But you know, they nailed him to the cross. I wonder, the soldiers must have thought to themselves, this is our job, crucifying criminals. We do it every day. But in all my career, I've never nailed a criminal like this to a cross before. We usually have to wrestle them to the ground. I usually get my fellow soldier to put their knee on his arm while I drive the spike in. But this man, there was no resistance. He just opened his arms and he allowed them to nail him. His eyes didn't flash with anger. His cheeks weren't flushed with rage. He wasn't biting his tongue, wishing he could say some awful things. His fists weren't clenched in rage, in love. He opened not his mouth. You know why? Because he was taking the guilty sinner's place. He was dying for guilty sinners, and he couldn't open his mouth. He was standing in for me and my substitute. He was going to bear my sin on the cross. And he opened not his mouth for me. Oh, I love him tonight. Yes, all for me. Oh, love of God, so great, so free. There's a hymn that Christians like to sing. It's this hymn, Man of Sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And then says, bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place, condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Could you agree with God this evening and face this reality that I am guilty, period? And if you were there tonight, I can assure you on the authority of the word of God, there's a God who loves you and a Savior who's willing to save you tonight. And to put a new song into your mouth, even praise unto our Lord Jesus Christ. God's salvation. Don't settle for anything less. Don't give it your best shot. Trust Christ tonight, or you will end in disaster. Yes, don't settle for anything less. Cast away any thought of saving yourself. Only Christ's work will be accepted before God. Trust Him as your own and personal Savior today and go on your way with a new song in your heart. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. 
There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest to you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. Mm-hmm.